In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We often use the phrase mountaintop experience to describe some sort of spiritual encounter, a time of awakening and clarity, a moment of epiphany. So it is fitting that the final Sunday of the season of Epiphany is the greatest mountaintop experience of all time. Now, of course, we know that climbing to a mountain won't bring us any closer to God. He's already everywhere. And yet, if you've ever done any climbing or hiking, there is a sense in which we do somehow feel closer to heaven when we stand at the summit of a mountain. There's a reason for this. In the Old Testament, the greatest encounters with God occurred at the top of a mountain. Think of Moses, the great lawgiver. He received the Ten Commandments atop Mount Sinai, where he went for 40 days and nights without food or drink. And then there's Elijah, the great prophet, who also traveled 40 days and nights with no food or drink to climb the same mountain and speak with God. What was it like to be on that mountain with God? Awesome in the proper sense of the word and terrible. The people of Israel stood at the bottom and waited for Moses. They saw the great cloud of glory filled with thunder and lightning But they dared not approach. In fact, God had warned them, Do not come near, do not even touch the mountain, lest you die. That's the trouble with encountering the raw glory of God. He is so extremely holy, so intensely pure, that sinful man cannot see his face and live. Not even Moses could look upon God's glory. Likewise, Elijah experienced a great whirlwind, a devouring fire, and an earthquake. In a word, these encounters with God and his glory were terrifying. And yet, God wants to dwell among men. Before the fall... God would come down to the Garden of Eden to walk with Adam in the cool of the evening every day. This is the relationship that God wants to have with us, but it was utterly destroyed by sin. And yet God's purpose would be accomplished. In the fullness of time, God came among men once more, Emmanuel, God with us. From the moment of his conception, all the terrible majesty and bright glory of God belonged to Jesus. But he hid his glory as a baby, as a child, and as a man. If you had been there, if you had seen Jesus as he walked the earth, nothing would have stood out about his physical appearance. The Bible tells us that he had no form or beauty that we would desire him. And yet, all the radiant glory of God was there in Jesus, only it was hidden 
This is what the theologians call the humiliation of Christ. He didn't humble himself when he became a man. No, because now he is still a man and he is exalted at the right hand of God the Father. He humbled himself when, as a man, he hid his glory. But there were moments when Jesus briefly revealed himself. Every time he performed a miracle, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, he revealed a small part of his power. And then one time only, again on a mountain, Jesus gave his three closest disciples a glimpse of the glory that was his from eternity. And for just that moment, they saw him as he truly is, more radiant than the sun, with even his clothes shining bright as light. And Moses and Elijah who had encountered the glory of God before, were there also. And then the bright cloud, the very presence of God the Father, the thunderous voice from heaven, and it was simply too much for the disciples to take. They fell on their faces in sheer terror. Too much power, too much holiness, too much glory. Now what does all this mean? Certainly these events are historical, factual truth. This happened. But why? Why did Jesus reveal his glory to the disciples? And why is this written for us today? First, the transfiguration shows us what we have lost. It is a sad thing that we cannot be in the presence of God's glory without terror. This was never God's intention. He created us to be his companions, to share in perfect fellowship with him forever. Yet sin destroyed this relationship and separated us from God. If the two holiest men in the Bible, Moses and Elijah, could barely encounter God and had to be shielded from his glory, if the apostles Peter, James, and John fell on their faces in terror, what hope is there for sinful old you and me? But second, and more importantly, The transfiguration shows us God's plan of redemption. The key to understanding this is found in Luke's account. He tells us what Jesus was talking about with Moses and Elijah. And what was it? His upcoming exodus. We all know about Moses and his great exodus. He led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. But have you ever heard of Jesus and his even greater exodus? You have, even if you don't know it. For what could be worse than slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt? Slavery to sin, death, and the devil. This is the exodus that Jesus was about to accomplish. 
He had come to earth as a man, hidden his power and glory for one purpose, to hang on the cross as the scapegoat for the whole world, and in his death to defeat death forever. Jesus had come to lead his people out of bondage and open the way to the true promised land, heaven. Moses' exodus was simply a dress rehearsal, the practice run for the real exodus. And for centuries upon centuries, God had been putting all the pieces together, setting the stage for the redemption of the world, and the final act was about to begin. Jesus was talking with Moses and Elijah about his upcoming exodus. Now, right at this moment, Peter, who generally never understood what Jesus was doing, decided to pipe up. Lord, this is great up here on this mountain. What an amazing experience. Yes, it's true, we're going to need to wear welding glasses or something to shield our eyes because your glory is so bright. And we'll probably be fainting from fear every five minutes from all this holiness. But let's stay up here forever. I'll pitch the tents. But while Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter, Jesus is talking about the Exodus. Listen to him. Listen to God's plan to deliver you from sin and every evil forever. Listen to the words of Jesus, which alone can comfort the terrified conscience and remove guilt. Listen to Jesus, who has come to restore the broken relationship between God and man, so that we may once again be in his presence, as Adam was, without fear. From the beginning, God desired man to share in his glory and holiness. We were created in this image, But once we fell into sin, the only way to restore what was lost was for God to share in our suffering, to descend his holy mountain down into our broken world, to take our sin into his own body, and to die the death that every sinner deserved. Peter didn't know that his idea to stay up there on that mountain forever would have doomed the human race. Thanks be to God that Jesus didn't listen to him. Instead, the father said to Peter, this is my son, listen to him. Follow him back down the mountain into Jerusalem to the mountain of Calvary. See him suffer and die in your place. Listen to him say, it is finished. And then be a witness of his resurrection three days later. 
God's plan to restore fallen man was accomplished in Jesus' great exodus. He was not content to remain in glory high upon the heavenly mountain. Instead, he descended to us in order to raise us up to glory with him. And we have his promise that one day we will share in the glory that Peter, James, and John witnessed upon the mountain. St. Paul writes, Our Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And when that day comes, we won't need tents. No, we will dwell in the heavenly mansions in the presence of God forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.